So it's been a while. It's kind of hard to even figure out where to go now. You know, uh, I was in a similar situation. Hold on one second. I'm going to go ahead and plug this. This past Sunday, um, we were at work. We've been working a lot of overtime here lately, and we get mandated in the morning and things like that. And uh, a friend of mine, he had rode with two people, and uh, those two people got mandated. And he was like, Maze, I just don't want to stay. I was like, well, brother, I'll take you home, you know, Sunday morning. And so I was like, man, I'm going to do some Good Samaritan stuff this morning, and they'll probably have me missing church, and everything will be fine. And uh, on my way back, uh, the pastor called me, and he was sick. He's like, hey, I need you to preach. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Like, I didn't even know if I was going to be there or not. And so on the way, um, I'd been reading scripture throughout the week. It was almost like God was preparing me and prepping me for that moment. And so that's the same thing that I'm, I want to share tonight. Uh, it's just a message of look to Christ. Uh, you know, there's a lot of preachers and teachers and uh, these saints that I look up to. And I think Charles Spurgeon, uh, just the life that he lived and the revival that he helped start through preaching and the Holy Spirit inside him, uh, he's just a phenomenal person to look up to and to read about and things like that. And uh, his testimony is really interesting. And how he came to faith. And so I think... Through his words is probably the best way to uh, to even describe it. So he, he wrote this down. He said, I sometimes think I might have been in darkness and despair until now had it not been for the goodness of God in sending a snowstorm one Sunday morning. While I was going to a certain place of worship, I turned down a side street and came to a little primitive Methodist church. In that chapel, there may have been a dozen or 15 people. I had heard of the primitive Methodist, how they sang so loudly that they made people's heads ache. But that did not matter to me. I wanted to know how I might be saved. The minister did not come this morning. He was snowed up, I suppose. At last, a very thin-looking man, a shoemaker or a tailor or something of that sort, went up to the pulpit to preach. Now it is well that the preacher be instructed, but this man was really stupid. He was obliged to stick to his text for the simple reason that he had little else to say. This text was, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. That's in Isaiah 45, 22. He did not even pronounce the words rightly, but that did not matter. There was, I thought, a glimmer of hope for me in that text. The preacher began, thus, this is a very simple text indeed. It says, look now, looking don't take a deal of pain. It ain't lifting your foot or your finger. It is just look. 
Will a man need not to go to college to learn to look? You may be the biggest fool, and yet you can look. A man need not be worth thousands of dollars. Anyone can look. Even a child can look. And on that day, with that uh, lay person that was preaching, whether he was a shoemaker or a tailor or whatever it was, Charles Spurgeon was saved through that simple message to just look to Christ, just to look to him. And so uh, today we're going to read some uh, scripture that points us in that direction. It's through the words of Christ. start off in uh, John chapter 3 verses 1 through 15 is our first verses. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him or came to Jesus at night and said Rabbi we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied truly I tell you unless someone is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear it sound. But you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone of, who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus asked these things. He said, how can these things be? Are you a teacher of Israel? Don't you know these things, Jesus replied. Truly I tell you, we speak that what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except for the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so that the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. So from there, uh, we'll go to that story, which is in Numbers. It's Numbers, I think it's Numbers chapter 21. Yeah, verse 4. Then they set out from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom. But the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us out from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread or water, and we detest this wretched food. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit them so that many Israelites died. The people then came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord so that he will take the snakes away from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
make a snake image and mount it on a pole. Then anyone who is bitten looks at it. He will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten, he looked at the bronze snake and he recovered. So this, that Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he, he tells him this particular story because the Bible flows together. Um, a lot of the Old Testament stories, how they're so intertwined and connected with the New Testament is a lot of times it's a foreshadowing of the things to come. Uh, David fighting the giant. Uh, it's an important story and we'd love to hear it in, in a vacation Bible school and Sunday school and everybody wants to be David. But the foreshadowing of that was Christ Jesus, the she- the, the uh, son of God, the carpenter, the uh, born in a manger that he would defeat this giant of sin and death. And so a lot of times we try to place ourselves in the place of David and we kind of miss the mark. It's not us slaying our giants, but it's looking to Christ who slays the giant for us. And so the same things here. Um, Nicodemus is kind of in this save yourself mentality. And Jesus points to him to a time where the people needed God and they needed something more than what they were doing. And they had been complaining about God and cursing God. And so he brings up this particular point where these people were cursing Moses. They cursed God. They were unhappy with their circumstance. And so the snakes entered in or sin entered in. And then the prophet lifted up as Christ was lifted up. And those who look at Christ or those who looked at this particular image or the foreshadowing image of Christ were saved from the sin or these foreshadowing uh, imagery, this, these snakes. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to continue on to uh, John three sixteen. And we'll go to verse 21. If you would, Abby, we read that. John 3, starting at 21? No, 16 through 21. 16 through 21. Okay. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Amen. So next we'll go to uh, John 7, uh, verse, starting with verse 25, and we'll go through 39. This is the uh, identity of the Messiah. Some of the people of Jerusalem 
were saying, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Yet look, he's, he is speaking publicly. They're saying nothing to him. Can it be true that the authorities know he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. As he was teaching in the temple, Jesus cried out, You know me, and you know where I am from. Yet I have not come yet I have not come on my own, but the one who sent me is true. You don't know him. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. Then they see then they tried to seize him, yet no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had yet not come. However, many from the crowd believed in him and said, When the Messiah comes, he won't perform more signs than this man has done, will he? The Pharisees heard the crowd saying these things about him, and so the chief priests and Pharisees sent servants to arrest him. Then Jesus said, I am only with you for a short time. Then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Then the Jews said to one another, Where does he intend to go so that we won't find him? He doesn't intend to go to the Jewish people dispersed among the Greeks and teach Greeks, does he? What is this remark he made? You will look for me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. Those who believe in Jesus Christ were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So we look to Christ. Um, we look to Christ. We look to this glorified Christ who is uh, at the right hand of the Father, who is glorified as God had glorified him from the beginning of age, the beginning of time. He came down here with us. He died for us. He became that snake. He became that curse that was held up so that when sin bites us, that we won't die from it, uh, that we'll be saved from it. But not only did he die for us, and not only was he lifted up so that we will not die, but he also didn't leave us on our own. Uh, he sent his spirit to reside inside of us so that not only will we be saved, but we'll, we will also reflect his image out to the world, that the spirit through us will help us evangelize and help us make disciples and help us become disciples and help guide and lead us. So uh, we'll go to John chapter 9, start with verse 35. Let me read it. Yeah. 35 through 41? 35, yeah, through 41. Okay. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out. And when he found him, he asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? 
"'Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him?' he asked. Jesus answered, "'You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you.'" I love that part. <laughs> "'I believe, Lord,' he said, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, "'I came into this world for judgment, in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind.'" Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked him, We aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. All right, let's go on to uh, 14. Start with verse 8. This is uh, Philip talking to Christ, Philip, one of the disciples. He said, Lord, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been among you all this time, and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is a spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave, leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live in you. On that day, you will know that I am my father. I am in my father. You are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my father as I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. So we're looking, as we're talking, uh, those who look to Christ and trust in the Lord, um, we have this helper. We have this spirit that resides in us. We have this spirit that helps us and, and is uh, guiding us continuously. Uh, as I said earlier, it's reflecting out the image of Christ in our life to help lead others to him so that we'll all be united in one. I know it sounds like a, if you're not a believer, it sounds like a bunch of gibberish, right? I'm in you, you're in me, you know, uh, the Lord's Supper even in a, in a way, you know, sounds the same to an unbeliever. Drink this cup, it's my blood and this body and this, this bread, it's my body broken for you. But this this symbolism, uh, this interwoven story that all comes together, that leads us to this 
person, this beautiful person of, in, of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God and the perfect one. Uh, you know, even Joseph, even though he was a, uh, not Joseph Christ's father, but Joseph in the Old Testament, even though he was an image uh, a foreshadowing of Christ. He was not perfect like Christ. He wasn't near like Christ, but he was a favorite of the Father. He was a favorite of uh, Jacob. And uh, his brothers were jealous of that. And so his brothers sold him into slavery, and his brothers thought that he was dead. And, and Joseph went through all this pain and all this suffering. And we know how the story ends up is Joseph has, God has worked with him and God has moved in his life and shown him the purpose of his life. And Joseph ends up in leadership in uh, Egypt and he saves his brothers. And because his brothers cast him out to die, they were saved. Hmm. Um, it's the same thing we did to, to Christ Jesus, the, the favorite of the father, the perfect son. Through our sin, he died for us. Not now that we are enemies of him, but he says the same thing. He believes the same thing that Joseph believed. You evil brothers of mine, you meant evil, but God meant it for good. You meant the cross to stop my ministry, but God meant it to save you. You meant me to die because you hated the light and you loved darkness. But God meant it for the darkness to be lifted from you so that you can walk in the light. And so we'll read uh, John 17. It's the same imagery. It's the same story uh, all the way through Paul. We've gone through three then to seven chapter three chapter seven chapter nine chapter 14 and all culminates to this beautiful prayer that christ uh lifts up to the father uh right at the the end of his life right when his ministry had been completed uh jesus says father the hour has come glorify your son so that the son may glorify you since you gave him authority over all flesh, so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given is from me, is from you, excuse me. Because I have given them the words you gave me, they have received them and have known for certain that I came from you, that believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not only praying for the world, but for those you have given me because they are yours. Everything I have is yours. 
and everything you have is mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost except for the son of destruction, so that the scripture may be fulfilled. Now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them, so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Then in verse 20, uh, this is the prayer that Christ prayed. The first part was a prayer over his disciples, and this part is a prayer over you and I. It's the prayer over those who will eventually uh, be in Christ. Jesus says, I pray not only for these, not only for my disciples, but I also pray for those who believe in me through their word. For you and I, for us who read the Bible and trust in the Lord, may they also be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you are in me, so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you love me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not has not known you however I have known you and they have known that you sent me I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them it's just a powerful message um, that is Christianity that is the religion that we trust. That's the religion that we love. It's not about healings and feeding of the thousands. And uh, works are important. Works are a uh, they're the fruit of the tree. You know, uh, there's a seed of faith. Uh, it shoots out a tree of salvation and these works that come out you know this sanctification that this tree is salvation sanctification is these works that the fruit of it right uh, but it's not all about it 
It's about looking to Christ, uh, trusting in him, regardless of the circumstance. It is well with my soul. I trust in you, Lord, no matter what. I trust in your uh, providence, for your wisdom over my life, for your planning and keeping of my life. God, I trust in you. And so finally, we're going to end with uh, Matthew uh, verse 28, and this is the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus has already prayed, as we've read, prayed over us and sent us out. And this is kind of our, uh, this is our battle cry. This is our, <laughs> this is what we, uh, this is what we intend to do. This is what we as believers are set out to do. Let me read it. I've got it. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. 18 through 20. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I love that part. Amen. So the Spirit of God exists in us. God loves you guys. Um, this was fun. It's been a while. Yeah. So it's kind of awkward being in front of a, a camera again. <laughs> in front of no one. <laughs> <laughs> in front of no one. But it's kind of strange, you know, just doing it again. But uh, we love you guys. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday. I think next Tuesday I'm, I'm going to work on a message of uh, of uh, the original sin, basically, and how uh, you know how sin is systemic. How you know we know certain sins that we do, uh, but we sin in ways that we don't even know, and so systemic sin. Uh, is what I want to talk about next Tuesday. So I hope you join us. Uh, Abby, if you would, pray us out. Okay. God, I just thank you so much for this time and the that we get to worship you and share your word with others. God, I, pr I pray that, um, like the Bible says, we're washed by your word, Lord. I pray that we would, you would implant in our hearts the words that you've given us, Lord. That we would desire to sit with you and learn more about you, God. And believe in you, God. Have faith and trust and then produce the fruit that you give, God. Um, I pray that you would give us boldness to be the light in the darkness Lord it's so hard sometimes but you're our helper you're here to help us and you're here with us till the end of the age in Jesus name amen amen bye guys love y'all